This week, after backlash from the campus community over a series of racist incidents at MSU, President Samuel Stanley agreed to meet with minority leaders on campus. An Eaton County judge ruled that former MSU President Luana K. Simon's case will go to trial. In addition to covering breaking news stories, like the resignation of MSU trustee Nancy Schlichting, the state news has covered the upcoming city council election in East Lansing. Welcome to the 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the state news' biggest stories of the week, while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. I'm multimedia editor Haley Sinclair. In light of several racist incidents that happened on campus, community members have expressed their concerns at panels, meetings, and protests. Some student groups, including the Black Student Alliance and Corps and Cops, have written out a 10-point plan for diversity and inclusion on campus. During a protest Wednesday, President Stanley agreed to three of the 10 demands. To speak to this, we have staff reporter Sarah Tidwell. I talked to Tammy from the Freestanding Multicultural Building-like group on campus, and Tammy was talking to me and she said that these meetings are kind of going to be President Stanley sitting down with student group leaders. Um, so like leaders for the Multicultural Building group, leaders for BSA, Corps and Cops, like all of them. And he's going to be going over these list of 10 demands that they gave him at their protests. So instead of semesterly meetings, they're going to do monthly meetings. He said as long as they feel that the meetings are productive, he's committed to going to them every single month. So these groups are the BSA's Black Student Alliance, and then the Freestanding Multicultural Building, MSU, Corps and Cops, and um, then Dream MSU. I'm sure they have a protest coming up next week. Um, but basically, they've been protesting these past week and a half, two weeks, and just kind of voicing their opinions to the campus and the public so that they can get like what they want across because what they want is justice and they want, I guess, things to get better on campus for the, the um, multicultural students because they feel like they've been shadowed out and they're not being taken care of anymore. And there was a tweet that said, um, MSU prides itself on diversity, they pride themselves on us, and then we are the diversity, but they don't support us. So basically they're fighting to be supported. It started with a incident in Bryan Hall where they, these two girls were targeted with a toilet paper noose on their um, residence hall door. And then from there we found different surveys having different racial like slurs and um, just things that like you read and you're immediately like no like that should not be said out loud like that's not for like that that's just not something that you say and um so from there and then they've started having like i think these were these um surveys were happening in like the com arts building and stuff so they held a couple forums for that i know the board of trustees met a couple times to discuss this and um basically like since then students have just been coming to us with like things that they find or like we receive emails of apologies from like President Stanley. We've just been receiving like constant emails, apologies, like different things going on and it just kind of all went from this one event in Bryan Hall and it just blew up into like this big thing and so we made it kind of we made it known to the campus and now they're taking it in their own hands. I'd say it's a 50-50 right now. There are still students that are pretty angry about everything that's been happening. They're pretty upset about things that they've heard. But there are students, like I know the leaders of these groups, um, Tammy from the Freestanding Multicultural Building Group told me that um, she, like their group feels a little bit empowered and they're going to be going to these meetings that are happening. She said that there are students that like it feels peaceful 
at these sit-ins, but at the same time, besides the fact that it's empowering and a beautiful moment to be surrounded by so many people that care about this, there's a ton of students that are very vocal about this and they're going to the things. She said that it's also pretty disheartening that they had to reach this kind of point, I guess, that students didn't come forward sooner. And so it kind of all bottled itself up and now everybody's just different emotions. There's anger and blinding rage. There's sadness and just everybody's upset and I can tell like, but they're taking it into their own hands and they're fighting for it. They're putting all of those emotions into one and they're coming together and just fighting for what they think is right. Former President Luana K. Simon will stand trial on two felonies and two misdemeanors of lying to peace officers during the Attorney General's investigation into MSU's handling of Nasser's sexual abuse. The AG's office asserts that Simon knew of Nasser's abuse as early as 2014 years before he was sentenced to prison for sexual assault and child pornography. At the most recent Board of Trustees meeting, it was announced that the search process for Michigan State's next provost would be an open search. On Tuesday, the search committee was announced by President Samuel L. Stanley Jr. via an email to the campus community. To speak to this, we have the city editor, Evan Jones. So let's talk about the Michigan State University administration. All of this news that broke this week is pretty significant, and it all relates. So Monday began with MSU trustee Nancy Schlichting resigning because of the trustees' lack of cooperation with the Attorney General's investigation into the university and any administration official's knowledge of Larry Nasser's abuse. There are about there are about 6,000 documents that have not been released. And this is a call to other administration officials to release those documents in accordance with the investigation. A few hours later, Judge Julie Ranke of the Eaton County District Court ruled that ex-president Luana K. Simon will have her case stand trial. And this is interesting because she faces two felonies and two misdemeanors from the same event, which was an interview with Michigan State Police investigators where they allege that she lied about her knowledge of Larry Nasser's abuse in 2014. And just yesterday, the search committee for the new provost was announced. They all relate. That last one relates because the previous provost, June Hewitt, is a key witness in Simon's trial. She is a key witness in Simon's trial because the provost is the person that manages the staff, the like deans. It's like all the deans of the colleges, they report to the provost who reports to the president. So what does this all mean? I'm not really sure because I mean like the, the trustee that resigned was someone who was already calling for transparency. So I don't know how much this really changes 
other board members' political calculus. As far as Simon's trial goes, I covered the end of her preliminary hearing in the summer, which is what was held to try and determine if there was enough evidence to send it to trial. And I remember the other reporters around me who were pessimistic of the case's ability to go to trial. They weren't really sure it was an airtight case. And I kind of shared some of those sentiments because the evidence that's really against her is not really anything that Simon said. I mean, it is based on what she said to investigators, but they don't have anything that she actually said before that. So the best that investigators can come up with, they have an agenda that says Nasser-SA on it for a meeting. They have emails exchanged between two of Simon's advisors about the Nasser scandal in 2014, before any of it went public. But they haven't been able to prove that Simon knew about it. They've been able to prove that her advisors knew about it, and, and the, the prosecution is arguing that, like, well, because they knew, then Simon should know. But I think it's important to keep in mind that the two people who are key witnesses, who were the ones who knew, were the Title IX coordinators, which were the only two Title IX coordinators at the time for a campus of 60,000 people. So one thing is for certain, is that the case brings to light the inadequate approach of MSU's handling of Title IX cases in 2014. Whether or not Simon specifically knew about this is, I mean, like the court of public opinion has determined one thing already, but there's some legal fuzziness here. They have to be able to prove Simon's specific statement wrong. The thing that she said that they're trying to dispute is that she did not know the nature or the substance of Larry Nassar's crimes. She said that she knew there was a sports doctor under investigation, but she didn't know the extent of what was accused. That's really where the defense is trying to go. One potential scenario where this might end up being resolved is that they slap the misdemeanor charges on her, but not the felonies. Because one additional point that the defense attorneys have made is that Simon wasn't told that this was a part of a criminal investigation. So therefore, she can't be expected to answer in a certain way because she didn't know that she had the protections of someone who's being questioned in a part of a criminal investigation. I don't know. It's hard for me to piece this through because when you sit down in a courtroom from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., two separate days, you hear a lot of stuff, and it's difficult to determine which stuff is ultimately going to stick with a judge who has experience interpreting the law, has much more experience than I do in interpreting the law. 
and the law can be fuzzy. You know, it'll be interesting to see who Governor Whitmer picks to be the next trustee, when that will happen, what effect that will have. But as far as vote calculus goes, that doesn't change much. And as far as the provost goes, I mean, I think that can change some things based on, you know, how Stanley gets to decide his staff. He's the one who's been quiet among all of this. Stanley hasn't said anything about the trial, about the, the trustee resigning. But I don't know what he would say. He definitely has every incentive to stay silent on this because it's not really, it, it's an old wound and he wants to be seen as the person who comes in to change the culture. But I don't know what authority he has to release documents. I don't know what authority he has to respond in any meaningful way. Of course, the lawyers for the university are going to do the things that lawyers do to minimize liability, but I think he's just going to keep doing what he can to take certain steps that don't interfere with Michigan State's legal strategy, but can still make positive improvements to the community. City of East Lansing reporter Lucas Day is covering the East Lansing City Council election. He has comprised a video series with me. You can find a playlist of the candidates on our YouTube page. Tuesday, November 5th, there's an East Lansing City Council election. There's going to be three spots up for grabs among six candidates. There's two incumbents, um, Mayor Mark Meadows and Mayor Pro Tem. Eric Altman are both running again. Um, Shanna Drayheim is leaving after one term, so her spot's going to go to a newcomer. Um, when you look at the candidates, I think you first have to look at um, Mayor Meadows and Mayor Pro Tem Altman. Meadows has been involved in East Lansing politics for a long time. He was on city council and actually served as mayor both in the mid-90s to the early 2000s. He left to serve in the Michigan legislature. He actually took over Gretchen Whitmer's spot in the Michigan House of Representatives. So he stopped doing that a while back before when he was elected as mayor four years ago. And he's been in East Lansing politics since. Same with Altman, he just finished his first term on the East Lansing City Council. So if you like the development and the things that have been going on in East Lansing over these last four years, because there's been a lot of change. Um, there's been a lot of new big buildings put in, a lot of big corporate um, tenants um, putting in things like Target. They passed the marijuana regulations the other day. So there's been a lot going on in the city. And if you like the changes to East Lansing, then you're, you're gonna wanna vote for Meadows or Altman because those are the two that have really been driving the driving the changes in East Lansing. Um, I, I had the opportunity to speak to all the candidates and when I talked to both Meadows and Altman, they were very proud of the income tax that they passed um, a couple years back, or actually I think it was earlier this year. Um, he, they said that the city was in real, real danger of having a financial crisis and not being able to pay for things like firefighters and all the police staff they need. And by passing that income tax, they stabilized the city's finances and avoided this crisis. So moving on, I think that a really interesting candidate is Warren Stanfield. Warren's um, he's a 20-year-old Michigan State student. He used to be a wrestler, um, and he's running for city council because he wants to represent students. 
and he also wants to represent minorities who he doesn't think have enough of a voice in city council. Warren's pro-development. He likes the development that's been happening in the city. One of his big issues is transparency. The eBay land sale where the city sold land online um, to some bidders who were tipped off has been a really big issue with candidates, Meadows and Altman defending it, um, some of the other candidates attacking it. This was a big issue for Warren. He thinks that it should have been more publicly known. He doesn't understand why they told some people um, that it was going to happen and not just put out press releases and things like that. He said that things like that would not happen with him on the council. This was also a huge issue for Lisa Babcock, who said that the eBay land actually pushed her to run. Lisa's a current um, lawyer, and she's a former reporter for East Lansing Info, and she said that when she was working as a reporter, she had some real troubles getting the city council to talk to her, so she thinks transparency is a huge issue, especially when you combine it with the eBay land sale that she's very upset about. Um, Lisa's going to be the most polarizing candidate. Um, she's pretty confrontational with both Meadows and Altman. Um, during the debates and forums, she's attacked them along with some of the things she's released. She said that um, the city deserves better leadership. Lisa is very passionate. Um, and if Lisa's elected, I'm guessing that either one of Meadows or Altman, if not both, will be reelected. Council meetings are going to be a whole lot more interesting because Lisa is not happy with the way that things have been done. Moving on, you've got Jesse Gregg, who's a small business owner in East Lansing and also a reporter with East Lansing Info. She also has a lot of issues with the transparency from the city council and other parts of city government. So she said that she wants to shore that up and she thinks that her voice as a small business owner is something that's really missing from the council. So she's, she's kind of running to represent small business owners. Finally, you got John Rivette. John's a retired Michigan State professor. He's the one who's very, very concerned about development. Lisa and Jesse both have their concerns about development, but uh, John's been the most vocal about that. He said he's talked to some longtime East Lansing uh, residents who don't like the way that East Lansing's going. And with all these high-rise buildings and big companies coming in, and he said that's something that the city needs to look into pumping their brakes. He said he's also concerned that if we hit a recession, that we're going to have all these big apartment buildings and they're going to be empty because nobody's going to be able to afford to live in them. So he's he's concerned about development. What he wants to do is he wants to look at similarly sized college towns to East Lansing and see how they've developed and what's successful for them. So he can kind of use that as a, as a model. Stay with the state news for next week's news coverage and breaking news as it happens. Be sure to join us next week for a recap of the most important stories of the week. I'm multimedia editor Haley Sinclair, and thanks for listening to The 1909.